Hey everyone, welcome to Hub City Church. We are ordinary people following an extraordinary God together. If you want more information about Hub City Church, find us online at thehubcitychurch.com connect and fill out our digital connect card. Now let's dive into this week's message. And so last week we talked about this idea of, uh, of what Haggai calls out and he challenges them, make God's priorities your priorities. And that was last week. And if you missed last week, you could check that out, uh, not in the link below, but uh, on our YouTube page, right, Todd? Yes. I don't know. It's there, though. But you can watch it. This week, Haggai's words resonate with an audience that's grown a little tired of the building project. They're moving these bricks, they're clearing the land, they're doing these things, and they're getting a little frustrated, a little discouraged, a little disappointed. And the results are moving a little slower than they expected, and they're turning out a little bit different than what they thought, and they're wondering, do we keep going? Do we continue to do this project that Haggai is stirring us to do, right? God is using Haggai to bring these words, and they're struggling to stay motivated, just like we can sometimes stay, we can be, uh, we can be discouraged and, and frustrated and have a hard time to say, yeah, I'm going to go build God's church, I'm going to and we're not building a building again, right? We're building people. We're making new disciples. We're developing current disciples. That's what we're building. We're building people. But it's not always easy to stay motivated in that way. And we see in verse, uh, verse 1, it gives us a, a snapshot of where they're at in their time and, and kind of their mental state of anxiety. Because, uh, and, and I would have missed this if I had not studied this. In verse 1, Haggai is, is writing this, and, and, and the words here are giving us a picture of where they're at in their calendar, and the holiday season for them. It says, on October 17th, that same year, the Lord sent another message through the prophet Haggai. This is a time, at this time in their calendar year, they're about a month or so into the rebuild project, but they hit their holiday season of all these festivals that they would do on an annual basis, festivals that we read about in the Old Testament. Right? Things like the, fe- the Feast of Trumpets, the Day of Atonement, the Feast of Tabernacles. These were celebrating their history. Right? And if you want more information on that, Google it. Because, uh, right? Okay, fine. Don't Google it. Uh, uh, we're not going to take 10 minutes to talk about the, the festivals, but I, I could take a moment and think about this busy holiday season that they're in. And I want you to think about your own self during the holiday times. Uh, how are you feeling during the holidays usually? Right? Just think a couple of months ago. How did you feel once Halloween hit, and then Thanksgiving hit, and then Christmas hit, and then New Year's hit, right? Think of all of that that's going on. How did you feel? And now let's add something to it, right? Let's add a project. Let's add your water heater goes out. Let's add your car breaks down. Let's add a new job that you're starting. Let's add a health diagnosis, right? Let's throw something else in. And, and how, how are you feeling now? Really good, huh? Right? Yeah. So imagine the people of Israel in this moment, they're trying to build the temple, trying to rebuild the temple. They've got the foundation laid. It's been sitting there for 16 years, so it's covered in some foliage. And they need to clear the land and clear the rubble and the ruins and all of this. They're about a month in, and yet it's also the holiday season, and they're feeling frustrated. They're questioning what they're doing. They feel like quitting on what they're doing, right? It's that whole idea of thinking about for yourself. How committed are you to investing in people when you're feeling emotionally maxed out? Anybody? Right? When, when it's the holiday season and you've got a lot going on and then something else happens, how many of you are like, yeah, I'll sign up for a serve team? Yeah, I'll sign up to volunteer with the kids. 
Yeah, I'll join a life group. Yeah, I'll launch this. Yeah, I'll get in the community and do that. And do, right? And that's the, that's the stress level that's been stirring and brewing within them at this moment. They're trying to do this project. Meanwhile, they're celebrating all these festivals and all of that's going on. They're emotionally and physically maxed. And Haggai shows up. He says, whoa, 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 I can see the emotional volatility that's happening. Let's stop. Let's think about this. And he starts this message with some rhetorical questions. All right, so think about all that stress that might be brewing within us during those stressful times. And let's think for a moment about these questions that he asks in verse 3. He asks to the crowd, does anyone remember this house, this temple in its former splendor? How in comparison does it look to you now? How it must seem like nothing at all. And he's asking these questions rhetorically, but he's pointing them towards a, a portion of the crowd that would have remembered the original temple, that some 50 years later had been demolished, and in that time they had seen it be destroyed, gone into exile, returned from captivity, and, and they see the foundation of the temple laid, and all they can do is compare it to the past. Solomon's temple was large, it was luxurious, it was lavish, it was historic, Right, This temple that we read about in the Old Testament, man, that was beautiful. That was symbolic. That was everything. It was iconic. And the people are rebuilding. And he asks this question, well, how does this one compare? What does this one look like to you? How's it going? And they have this frustration brewing because they're looking at the progress a month or two in, and they're like, mm, I don't know, Haggai, this ain't looking so good. And there's two things that I notice in here uh, that, that stir them with a frustration about the progress, because we like progress, but there's two things. One, they're frustrated about the progress because it's not going to be the same. It's not the same. How many of you get frustrated when things aren't the same as they used to be, right? I remember hearing about when, and I watched a 30 for 30 on this, when they uh, opened up new Yankee Stadium and old Yankee Stadium, right? They had yeah, these two stadiums, and they're excited because they're launching this brand new State-of-the-art stadium right next door to the house that Ruth built, Babe Ruth, right? And all the Yankee fans could do, because I guess they're from New York and this is what they do, is complain. Oh, it's not the same. It's not this. It's not that. And I have to believe that a stadium that decades earlier was built wasn't as luxurious, didn't have as many sushi stops for them to go by and, and comfy seats and fancy technology and all of these things, right? But all they could do was compare it to the historic stadium, and sometimes we do that, don't we? We didn't do that with the kingdom. We were happy to get rid of the kingdom, right? But a house that Ruth built, they just, they looked at it, and they just complained. It's not the same. It's not this. It's not that. It's not that. And we tend to look at our past, and we do the same thing. We, we, we say, well, but, but it's not the same. And we look at our, uh, our past and our nostalgia, and we kind of sand off the rough edges, don't we? Right? Junior high didn't seem that bad. High school was pretty good. College years, those were better than we really lived through them. Right? They, but we always look at the, the past with these kind of rose-colored glasses, and it affects and distorts our view of the present. And today is not as good because it, it doesn't match up and compare to the past. And we make that memory to be glamorized and better than it really was. And that's what they're doing. They're looking at the temple foundation. They're seeing it's not as big. It's not as glamorous. It's not going to be as lavish. It's not as good. It's going to be different. I don't like this. It's not the same. And you've got these people that had seen the historic temple, and then they're looking at this and saying, I don't see how this is going to be as good, man. And they're clearing the rubble, and they're clearing the plants, and they're 
trying to get things fixed up and they're starting to move some bricks around and they're just, it's not the same. Do I really want to do this? They're getting discouraged. I'm investing my energy into something that's not going to be as good as it used to be. Why am I doing this? And in the church, we're, again, we're not building a building, but how many of us have had these thoughts before? Well, my current life group is not as dynamic as my previous one. I used to have a life group and a Bible study, and we used to get real with each other. We used to get honest with each other. We used to grow, and it was so intense and so quality and good, and we were growing, and now I've joined this life group, and it's not as good. And we always compare our present to the past. Oh, this current time of serving the next-gen volunteer time and blah, 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 it's not as good as when I was doing it before. This new group of young people, they don't blah, 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 fill in the blank, I don't know. The current blank is not as good as it used to be. Fill it in with anything, right? The current worship, the current teaching, the current building, the current events, the current ministries, the current everything about the church. We can pick, nitpick on, on certain things and we can look at it and compare it to our past, whether it was in this church or another church context that you experienced, and we would look back and we would compare it and we'd say, but it's not as good because it's not the same. Haggai is trying to challenge their perspective because maybe their perspective of reality has been distorted by a nostalgia that says it wasn't as good as you thought it was. The old temple was contaminated. It was infiltrated with idolatry. It was infiltrated with, with, with a universalism. It was infiltrated with, 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 with a distorted religious pursuit. And it got destroyed, yes. And it's not going to be the same. No, but we're building something different, and different can be good. And we're going to talk about that in the coming weeks when we talk about the potential of what God is building. But different is not bad. But we're frustrated in the progress because, well, it's not the same. The other thing I think that they're frustrated about is it's not going at their speed. How many of you start a project, and it takes longer than you thought, and you get more excited and zealous and passionate about that project? Oh man, I ripped the wall down and I was going to renovate and put new drywall up and rewire all these things and I was going to do this and it took longer and that was better. I ripped up our floorboards, we were going to put in new flooring and it was going to do this and we are going to do that and we're going to put trim and we're going to do it and it's better because it's taking longer and it's costing more money? Nope. It's not going at my speed and that frustrates me. Some of the people in that group that were rebuilding the temple had seen the original, and they're sitting there, and, and think about the time frame in which they're living. They're looking at this new, the, this new temple that's being built, and they're wondering, this speed is taking a lot longer than I thought, and I'm not going to be around to see this. These guys are in their 70s and in their 80s. You think about the time. I mean, that's a 50, 60-year span, and they're young enough to remember it, and they're thinking about the old temple that took seven and a half years to build Solomon's temple, and they're thinking, okay, seven and a half plus I'm in my 70s, and maybe if I go keto for a while, I can stick around for a little bit longer, I'll get my steps in with my Fitbit, and I'll stick around to see this temple hang on for a little bit longer. They're hoping. But the speed, they're anxious because they want to see the glory of God show up in the temple and they want to see it rebuilt. They want to see it established. And they're looking at it and saying, it's not in my speed. Hurry up. Let's go. I'm getting frustrated here. And spoiler alert, if we fast forward, they don't know this in the moment, but it's going to take 21 years to build this temple. It's going to take three times as long for a smaller temple. Progress 
is slow at times. But slow is not always bad. Sometimes speedy, speedy progress is great, and sometimes slow progress is good. Sometimes things take a while to grow and develop and progress. And I, I found it interesting in thinking about the temple being built at this snail's pace of 21 years and thinking about, you know, Jesus, he equated the kingdom of God to sometimes some things that grew, grew slow, like plants. Now, weeds, they grow fast, but good, solid plants, sometimes they take a while. He equated the kingdom of God to a mustard seed that would sprout into a large tree. Trees don't grow overnight. They take time. You see those massive trees? I mean, you're talking years, decades of growth. He said, this is how Jesus described the kingdom of God. It is like a mustard seed planted in a field. It's the smallest of all seeds. It becomes the largest of garden plants. It grows into a tree, and the birds come and make nests in its branches. Sometimes we want to build the kingdom of God, and we want to see quick results. I just want to invite all my friends to church, and boom, they get saved. I just want to help out with youth group, and they all get saved. I want to help out with, you know, connections team, and they all come forward and get prayer and get baptized, and boom, boom, boom. We want to see instant results, don't we? We live in an instant pot world, and yet Jesus says sometimes it's going to take time. It's going to go slow. It's gradual growth. It's slow momentum instead of momentum. The kingdom of God is not always about big, quick results. And a question that I would wrestle with is, would I still serve if it took 20 years to see somebody come to know Jesus? If it took 20 years to see the temple built, am I willing to faithfully serve to see 20 years go by and somebody says yes to following Jesus or get baptized? Would I serve in a ministry for 20 years? It also challenges me to think about how am I evaluating my effectiveness and my success because sometimes when I don't see instant results and I know I'm not alone in this, I can get a little stir crazy and be like, I don't know, maybe I should better use my time. I don't know if I should volunteer with kids anymore because they're just crazy and they're not growing and changing. So I'll go serve in this area or I'll volunteer with this or I'll start this ministry and we get kind of like ADD with our, our serving in church. We're looking for instant results, quick fill, fill me up, make me feel good sort of things. Am I willing to be patient with people because the, the reality is that's why it's slow because we're dealing with people and people take time people change slowly people learn slowly we don't learn instantly developing into a disciple of Jesus and seeing maturity and development and growth and building the kingdom of God and building God's family it can take time Sometimes there's quick things, quick moments. Day of Pentecost, 3,000 people, boom, saved, right? But then they scatter years later, and they slowly develop back into the disciples and followers that they're supposed to be. People take time. But here's the question in thinking about, well, it's not my speed, or it's not my style, not the same, things like that. The question that I would evaluate for myself, and I would challenge all of us to evaluate, is what is that discouragement revealing about our hearts? Why am I frustrated? If I'm talking to the people of Israel, I'm wondering, why are you so mad about this temple? If you're discouraged with the church, you're discouraged with involvement in the church and, and, and things that you're not seeing, why, why is that discouragement growing? What's happening? And as I ponder that, here's some of the things I noticed as I, I wrote for myself some, some, some answers to that question, but 
But I would challenge you to answer that question for yourself. What does that discouragement reveal about your heart? One is I, I realize that I want God to show up immediately. I want boom. I want heavens to open. I want boom, the voice of God to show up. All of Burlington gets saved. We see revival. Lives change, right? Like everyone wants to see that. I want God to show up quickly. I, I realize I get frustrated because I want my plans more than I sometimes want God's plans. And they're not always the same. God, I, I, I want you to just, I, w- I want this person to get saved. I've been praying for them for 20 years. Come on, man. And we get discouraged because I want my plans, not his plans. And it's not that he doesn't want them to be saved. Let's not microanalyze that, that statement. But the timing, my plans, my results, my measurements, my outcomes, I want my fulfillment. I want to feel good about what I'm doing and putting my hand to. I want to feel good about the investment of my time and my energy and and everything that I'm doing, right? And I will do this. How many of us do this? I attach my value and self-worth to the outcomes. There were times where I would evaluate how good I am as as a person and as a pastor based on how many people would come into the room. How many people would watch us on YouTube? How many people don't open our emails? It's a a low click rate. Let me just say, when we send you an email, open it. It'll validate me. And as stupid and, and insignificant as that sounds, what I began to realize is I will attach my value based on the outcomes. Oh, we only had this many baptisms or this many people said yes to Jesus or we only had this many people serving or this many... And I will equate my worth to those things. I will equate God's blessing to whether or not the outcome was quick and large. Boom, were there a lot of people and did it go quick? Well, then God must have been in it. And I want you to answer that question for yourself. But Haggai is shifting their focus and shifting their perspective off of their emotions and their feelings because sometimes our emotions and our feelings are deceiving us. And he doesn't want them to live in that discouragement. He wants them to see differently so that they can see the true progress that God is building in his church, right? He wants to see the progress of what they're doing. And I was inspired, and I think Haggai's rest of his message is encapsulated in this quote from Tiger Woods that I heard this week, right? Who knows? Tiger Woods, Haggai, the Old Testament prophet. Here we go. Tiger Woods said, don't get bitter, get better. And that has stuck with me all week. Don't get bitter, get better. And I've been just thinking on that and thinking about what Haggai is getting at, and that's what he's saying. Ladies and gentlemen, stop getting bitter about what God is doing. Stop getting bitter about the outcomes and the results and the things that we're trying to measure for validation and affirmation and feeling good about ourselves and warm and fuzzy. Stop getting bitter about change. Stop getting bitter about it's not the same and it's not at my speed. And Just get better. Let's get better. And he's trying to get them to see that if we will invest in the hard work, we will see the heart work that God wants to do in us. That the hard work happens when I do the hard work. And that's where the message shifts right here. Is he gets, gets into this and he just says, keep going. In verses four and five, he, he, he makes a couple of quick little statements and he, he repeats a few of them here. He says, be strong and now get to work. So you 
So do not be afraid. Be strong and now get to work. So do not be afraid. He tells them to keep going. Get better. Do the hard work. Building God's kingdom is is something that we participate in, all of us. It's for all of us. And it is an active part of our lives. We keep going. We take action. It's not passive. And sometimes it is a long journey and it is a slow journey, but we got to keep going. It's the same thing I tell myself when I'm on a long bike ride, right? I enjoy long bike rides sometimes. And there are times I did, uh, last summer, I did 200 miles from Seattle to Portland, not in one day, but it was a long time. And there was a moment, well, there was about an hour and a half, where I was questioning everything about my life. And I'm on this long bike ride, and I'm crying, literally, and I'm screaming because I'm all alone, and, 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 and I'm wondering and I'm questioning a bunch of different things, and the thing that kept coming into my brain is just keep pedaling. And that's what you have to tell yourself when you're, when you're doing anything long distance, but in, in terms of biking, and one of the things that they'll tell you is just keep making circles. Just keep your feet moving and make circles. Just make circles, because you ain't going to get there if you don't make circles. And so I'm literally like on a hill. Why, God, make circles, make circles, make circles, make circles, make circles. And I'm telling myself this. I'm listening to worship music. I'm still mad. I, you know, it's just, I, I was like the Israelites trying to rebuild the temple, but I'm on this long, lonely bike ride because it's taking longer, and I don't like the pace, and I don't like my speed, and I don't like the distance covered, and my body aches. Keep making circles. Keep making circles. Keep making circles. Don't stop. And that's what Haggai's getting at. Get to work. Just keep swimming. Somebody, I just heard Dory. Just keep swimming. That's the Pentecostal moment you guys just went with. I got a word from the Lord for you. We quoted Tiger Woods and Dory. There it is. Get to work. Get to work. Get building. Clear the foundation. Gather supplies. Lay one brick at a time. One brick at a time. And in our case, it's not bricks and timber and clearing a foundation. What are we talking about? One conversation at a time. One invitation at a time. One volunteer hour at a time. One Sunday at a time. One prayer moment at a time. One conversation with a person that needs Jesus at a time. One person at a time. Keep going. One small group at a time. One serve team at a time. Stop complaining. Stop comparing and start just making it better. It's so easy to get bitter in church. Let's get better. Let's get building what God wants to build one brick at a time, one person at a time. And then as we keep going, you'll stop and see the progress. You'll stop and see the progress. Notice in that conversation, to get back to work, he sandwiches it between be strong and be fearless. Don't be afraid. And be strong. Because I think when we, we got to keep going, that's hard. Quitting's easy. Continuing is hard. Enduring is hard. It takes strength to keep doing the right thing over and over and over and over and over again. Because we want to quit. We want to give up. Be strong. And he says it three times, and I think it's because he wants people to understand that that can be contagious within people. Discouragement can be contagious, but also zeal and excitement and strength and encouragement, that can be contagious among people. And he says to be fearless because you're going to hit times where doing the right thing is confusing and it's difficult and it's lonely and you're going to be rejected, you're going to hit tough questions, and you're going to want to stop. 
Be fearless. Don't be afraid. Don't quit. Keep going. I'll tell you, this is when I grow as a follower of Jesus. When I get complacent, when I get apathetic, when I get lazy, when I coast and get into neutral, I depend on Sean. I depend on my strength, my capacity, my talents. I'm a very talented person in some ways, and I can lean into those talents, and I can coast. And we can do that spiritually. We can do that relationally in church. But I grow when I get active with my faith, when I step into something where I depend more on Jesus than I depend on Sean. But the, project, the progress is not just the task at hand, but it's within my own heart because as I'm building, I'm being built. That's what I love. I love that Haggai, and I believe as we see people that follow Jesus throughout the New Testament, as they are building the church, they themselves are being built. Jesus spent three years with guys building them up, but at the same time, they're still building the kingdom of God. They were still sharing and doing and active and participating, but they themselves were being built. And God is about building you as much as he is about building through you, he's building in you. And so I love this, that he is working, we are working for God, but also with God. And in verse four and five, this is the the promise that is reiterated similarly from last week. It says, for I am with you, says the Lord of heaven's armies. My spirit remains among you, just as I promised when you came out of Egypt. You're not just working for God, you're working with God. God is present with you. Some translations will say that he would be with them. Right? Just be with them. Be next to you, in your corner, supporting you, encouraging you. And he's drawing their attention back to something that they would have known. It would have been ingrained in them. It was the stories like we would know the, the origins of Batman and, and Iron Man. They knew the story of the people exiting slavery in Egypt, going through the desert and entering the promised land. They knew those stories inside and out. And they're telling them, remember, God was with the people when they exited Egypt. He was with the people through the desert, through the twists and the turns and the uncertainty and the times where they wanted to go back. All the same complaints you're having about building the temple. All the same feelings. They paralleled the same journey as they wandered the desert. And yet, at that time, you see it throughout the scriptures in the Old Testament, God was with them in a pillar of smoke and a pillar of fire. And what Haggai is getting at is God is still with you in your journey. He's still with you in building this temple one brick at a time. He's still with us in building his church one person at a time, one conversation at a time, one serve team at a time. God is present in our desert journeys, no no matter how slow it takes. And I I think this is where I would want to correct some of the thinking that the American church has developed because I've grown up in church and I've seen this. If it's not going quick, God's not in it. I think that's a lie. If it's slow, God must not be blessing this. If I'm not seeing the instant results, then God must have lifted his hand. I've heard that in church. God's presence isn't there. Well, he spent 40 years leading people through the desert slowly to the promised land. Maybe the progress isn't always about getting there quickly. Maybe the American church has gotten something wrong about equating God's presence with the outcomes that we can measure and see. God is present in this church. He's present in your lives. And we have to start using different metrics and different measuring sticks 
for our effectiveness. We have to stop being distorted in our perspective and comparing it to the past and comparing it to what was and what is. And maybe God's building something different, and that's good. I notice Haggai's words also, they, they line up with the words of Jesus in the Great Commission. When Jesus sends out the disciples, very similarly, he is promising, I'm not just working through you, I'm working with you. In the Great Commission, in Matthew 28, 19 through 20, Jesus says this to the disciples before he ascends into heaven. He says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these, teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. Right? Work for God. But then in verse 20, and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. I'm, I'm building with you, not just through you. I am with you in this. We are sent to go make new disciples and develop current disciples. And we do that with the presence of God in our lives. Meaning that God sees progress that we can't see. He says, keep going. Don't get bitter, get better. Keep going, do the hard work, do the heart work and begin to see the perspective of what God is building in his church. And I'll give you an example to close here. And it would be our community involvement as a church. Eight years ago, we didn't have buried airy days as something that we did. If you've been here long enough, you remember, that didn't exist in terms of that partnership. We had a, a Halloween uh, event at the time. These were events that we had or ideas. They were small in their beginnings. Our first buried airy days outreach was out on this front patio. We had a popcorn machine and some bottled water for the parade people. I think we had like 20 people come because they saw that we had a bathroom. We had a sign. They'd come in and they'd use our bathroom and get some water because we knew they'd be back if we gave them water. Right? Bathroom. <laughs> if we had measured it by, based on the traditional metrics, we would have we said, wow, that was a nice try, but that didn't work, so let's scrap it. 20 people showed up. We made some popcorn. We handed out some bottled water. Good job. But then the next year, we reached out to the, to the chamber and said, hey, if there's anything you need help with with Buried Area Days, let us know. And they asked us to do a couple of games on Sunday afternoon during a barbecue event. I don't know, maybe 100 people, Tyler? Something like that showed up. We had a handful of different games and activities. We had Hope City shirts we were really excited about. 100 people. Whoa, this is awesome. The next year, we got asked to do Saturday, and they turned the event into something different and said, hey, will you do some more games and run the kids' zone? And like a 1,000 people showed up. And then every year since, we've just continued to say yes. And the metrics on the outside look amazing in that regard. Thousands of kids will come through. Thousands of pounds of candy is gonna get, are going to get handed out. In the name of Jesus, take these Sour Patch. But in another metric that other people would look at, they would say that the, the event is not a success because they would ask, well, what's the return on the investment? How many people have started coming to your church because of Berry Dairy Days? We haven't blown the doors off. We haven't gotten a bigger building in eight years. We haven't needed six services to accommodate the thousands of kids that are coming from Berry Dairy Days. We aren't writing the book on that. 
But if we were measuring it the way the Israelites were measuring their temple and saying, well, this is the way we would measure success, we should have scrapped buried area days because we put a lot of money and a lot of time, hours and hours and hours, into an event that didn't grow our church numerically in the same way. Our budget didn't increase because of buried area days. But we, we kept going. We kept doing it. We kept returning. We kept saying yes. We kept doing the hard work. We kept doing what Haggai said, get to work. And we would do it. And we'd show up and we'd be strong and we'd, we'd be faithful and we weren't afraid and we would just continue to improve and grow and to a point where we had like this last year 25 activity booths and 400 volunteer hours and, and again, thousands of kids. But that's not the progress that God opened my eyes to over the years. Over the years, what God's perspective change happened for me, this is the heart work that God does in the hard work. I began to see the progress of our church is not always numerical. It is we have a relationship with our city that is unique, where our city comes and asks us, not the biggest church in town, not the most prominent. How many of us drive by Hope City? Forget about it. We aren't centrally located. We aren't the biggest dog in town. But you know what? We have a unique relationship with our city. We've discovered a passion for our community um, that I've just seen God fan into flames over these eight years. And we saw that through Halloween, when we had big carnival events that took over the mall, took over the high school, and then got scattered into hub city, hub spots on Halloween. We've seen that through various events and serve Skagit and serving our schools. We've discovered a passion for our community that we are a church that gets outside of its walls. And if we had shut it down seven years ago when 20 people came and used our bathroom, we wouldn't have seen the progress of what God was doing in us as a church. To say, I care about not just the people inside the building, but the people outside of the building. That is progress. That is another brick and another brick and another brick. How about a collection of servants willing to go People that are like, yeah, I'll volunteer hours and hours and hours on Father's Day weekend and hand out candy to kids and run the same game for three, three hours till my knees hurt. Let's do it. Uh, that's what God is building. That's where we can see a shift in perspective and begin to see that God is building his church. And it's not always in the same metrics of what it used to be and the way we used to measure things of success. But God is building his people and he's building this church and he's reaching this community. And in a couple of weeks, we're going to talk more about the potential of what God is building through the temple and through his people. But, but today is about just what Tiger Woods said. Don't get bitter. Let's get better. Let's get better. Let's keep going and let's begin to see the progress of what God wants to build in us and through us. Amen? Let's pray. We hope you were encouraged by today's message. If you want to take your next step in following Jesus, fill out the digital connect card at thehubcitychurch.com connect. We'd love to celebrate what Jesus is doing in your life.